Thank you for joining us for episode six. Today, I am joined by Cedric, Caesar, Ed, Alejandro, and myself, Johnny. For today's topic, I want to talk about immigration. Specifically, I want to talk about the misconceptions such as all immigrants being criminals, immigrants not contributing to the U.S., and immigrants can just go the easy route, fill out the papers and become residents, get their green cards or citizens. So first, I want to start off with the first misconception, which is all immigrants are criminals. And I found a statistic here. It says, according to Libertarian Cato Institute in 2015, Texas made approximately 815,000 arrests and 37,000 arrests were of undocumented individuals, which is roughly 4%. This same research found that the arrest rate of undocumented immigrants were 40 to 50% below that of native born immigrants. So personally myself, I feel like there's that view that all immigrants are criminals because of media. And I feel like the media, they do a bad job in, you know, doing a balance and showing good and bad because, you know, it, it makes sense for them because they make more money whenever they show a bad news that's going to that's going to make people want to click on the link. It's going to make people want to read more about it. So in, in a way, it makes sense. But with that said, immigrants, you know, just like my parents once were, they're just trying to come to the United States to live a better life and give their families a better life. So I wanted to hear what you guys think about that first misconception. So let's go ahead and start with Alejandro. What did you think about this? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty relevant, uh, especially these days with our current president, you know, and I think a main factor is that, you know, a lot of people here um, are very, very proud of their country and aren't accepting of other people, um, of other beliefs. And so I think that, you know, the, the, the easiest thing to do is to tag them as criminals or, or illegal or stuff like that, you know, because it, it makes it easier for them to show that authority. Um, but, you know, we, one thing for me is like, you know, going back in our history as the U.S., uh, you know, it's pretty criminal like of what, what happened in this country, um, you know, with the, the Native Americans and the people that were on this country first. So I think, you know, it, it really, like you said, the media um, and these days the president um, characterizing, uh, you know, immigrants. And like you said, you know, you're, you said your parents both came to this country, you know, for, to, to build their life. And that's what a lot of people do. They come here to build their American dream. Um, you know, ex example, my grandma, you know, my dad, you know, a lot of people come here uh, specifically to, you know, go get an education, get a job, start a family, you know, uh, input, you know, be, a, be a, a positive impact in society. And And don't get me wrong. I mean, there are people here that you know that do come for the wrong reasons um obviously there, there's going to be people that are trying to break the system but you can't just characterize everyone as bad because like i just said there's people that are, that are good so instead of having you know those tags we should really deep dive into what is the core issue and what can we do to help and how we can make them actually feel welcomed in this country because at the end of the day we're we're, we're united we're, we're, diver we're diverse um you know and you know, I think we have a lot of people who, especially in, in times like this, we're seeing who's really essential, right? And um, we have a lot of immigrants that are working at, you know, very essential jobs here in, in the U.S. where, you know, if we lost them, it'd be a big impact on our economy and our jobs, on our availability. Um, so, you know, that, that's as far as I'll say, as far as criminals uh, and Im immigrants. But, um, but yeah, that's my input. That's a great point. Uh, what did you think, Ed? 
Well, for me, I mean, I'm going to start by saying I'm going to preface this whole conversation. Uh, I'm not an expert in this field. I'm not going to pretend that I know about policymaking and anything to do like in terms of the front lines of this situation. But um, like I think Alejandro said, like I have examples in my family of this situation in terms of having people who have came from other countries and started a new life. And so um, for me, all I can really say about the situation is this current presidency has really highlighted this issue and it, this issue in a negative light. Like he's pretty much stereotyped certain types of people, socioeconomic backgrounds, even national backgrounds. Like he's made that a big point. And so when you see that on TV and there's a big audience, a big mass audience, well, it could influence people, whether it could be directly or indirectly. And so I guess what I'm going to say is pretty much people from a, a certain socioeconomic background or a, a certain national background have been tagged as criminals because, you know, that's just the way that it's been portrayed in the media. And so I don't agree with that, obviously, just because you're poor or just because you come from another country. It doesn't mean you have bad intentions. There's a lot of people in this country currently, like Alejandro was saying, that hold very essential positions where if they weren't here, we wouldn't function, you know? And so, of course, there's also a bad side. Like there could be people that come from other countries that do bad things, but also there's people from this country that do bad things. So it doesn't mean exactly. like, it doesn't mean just because you're from another country, you have mal, malintent. And so I just think that because we're in a world right now where media and just internet, like there's so many things that are in our eyes, it's easy to, to just um, sway people in a certain way but i definitely don't agree that like just because you're an immigrant you're a criminal like that's totally bogus there's plenty of people from this country that do malice all the time but what's portrayed is what is perception so perception is a big thing and so you know that's that's all i'm going to say about this thank you for your input what about you caesar did you have anything to add to it yeah i actually wrote a whole paper on this Awesome. Um, this is actually my master's thesis. It was on immigration impacts of ICE intention on, on mental health facility. I mean, mental health, sorry, of Latinx immigrants. And um, Hey, Cesar, congrats, by the way, on graduating, dude. That's a big accomplishment. Thank you. Thank congrats. You. Congratulations tomorrow. But probably when you hear this, uh, this podcast, it probably won't be tomorrow, but I'm going to graduate tomorrow. But to that, like, you know, let's call it what it is, you know. Not every immigrant is treated the same. A lot of it is racism. When we point out black, it's racism. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. And racism is main, so, or the reason why the government makes racism in this case is to oppress people. Like racism is used as a form of violence against human beings. Yeah, of course. Um, and in this, you know, in this case, it's not all immigrants are treated fairly because you have different rules. We have different rules for different immigrants. Um, Latinx immigrants, right, are treated differently than, say, immigrants coming from Asia, immigrants coming from Europe, immigrants coming from Africa. Like, you're you're going to get treated differently. And some are treated by far the same or even worse sometimes. Like if you have people coming from like the Middle East or the Arab nations or Arab countries, um, you have them being treated differently. Like actually one thing is like that I would say is like, you know, that's coming from a person who came from a Latin ex, what is a immigrant family and had, have had a lot of generations, right? Mm -hmm. Racism towards this population has always been here. Um, it's mm -hmm. never gone. It's slowly progressed. Like, you can't look back and ever say that America treated these individuals without ra being having racist tactics behind them. And the policymaking behind this 
is also racist. You look at what's going on right now in internment camps right now in, in ICE detention facilities, and it's really like an internment camp like that you would find like during the times of the Japanese internment camps here in California. It's really awful, actually. And I would say, uh, yeah, like these tactics are, are I even forgot what the question was, but I'm gonna just say like these tactics are, are really racist and they're meant to oppress people so they don't have power. And yes, we, we you know, we, we have all these processes and stuff, but what we don't see on the backside is like how difficult it is. I mean, like during this Trump administration, there's uh, something called the Flores Settlement Agreement Act, which is like how long individuals can be detained, especially children. It, it dictates how long the periods of time it is. Trump has gone after it because if he goes after it, that means that there's indefinite time behind what mm -hmm. is it, how much a yeah. person can be, which is what, it, it is what it is, is ra racist is to hold these people down and to make sure. I mean, why do you have people from Europe who are easily able to get visas? Exactly. And you have people who, who are coming from Latin, like Latin America who aren't able to get visas, who are held up at the Mexico border, who are held up. You know, I think everything revolves around like profit and these people aren't seen as being profitable unless they're in sweatshops, unless they're taking jobs that other people don't want. And even then, you know, and I'm going on this whole long tangent, like companies use them and America knows this, you know, people come in here from like uh, Latin America, they get jobs, they get paid really yep, low wages. Yep. And then at the end of the day, like if these people, you know, start unifying together and fighting against it, well, what's going to happen? ISIS is going to be called on them. That's well, see, what's, what's crazy to interrupt before the next person goes is I was actually doing some research on this today too and a study from the university of chicago found that mexicans and other latin americans and also africans and middle easterners are all, always more significantly suspect to be illegal immigrants than people from europe or asia just like mm -hmm. as a stat like it's crazy That's like crazy. you brought that up it's crazy like it's just they're the same situations like they're all coming from different countries looking for a better opportunity but for some re reason these demographics are profiled like yeah and like just like we were saying like it's it's, it's just a fact it's just the way it is but take a look at why it's like that like if you really examine the issue of why it's like that i mean these people look white right they can play the part but not only that like True. Th yeah. There's also that sense of like these people bring education skills, you know, profitable skills. Stereotypes, like, dude, stereotypes. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a lot of stereotypes. And that's why they're allowed to come in here. But I mean, like, yeah, there, there's major differences. I mean, like, there's policies that strictly target people from like the Middle East, from Yemen, Lebanon, from these uh, countries who are, yeah, you know, they're in the midst of a war and aren't able to be here. And I mean, like we've seen it on the news and there's reports about it. Yeah, and that's actually a really good point that you brought up about racism, because I remember prior to me going to Arizona, there was that whole thing where, you know, cops, they were stopping people with brown skin and asking them if they had papers, you know, that was a huge thing. And that was something that I had to consider because I was going to Arizona. I was actually racially profiled once too, just because of the color of my skin. Like I was just driving, it was about one to two in the morning. And then, you know, there was no one on the road and I suddenly get stopped. And then I asked what I did wrong. And the cop basically told me you were impeding traffic. Keep in mind, it's two in the morning. How am I impeding traffic? You know, and oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And then so he was then he started asking me like personal questions like, why does your license plate say California? You're in Arizona. What are you doing here? And I was like, I'm a student at ASU. 
And then he was like asking me what my address was, this and that. And I was like, I don't feel comfortable with providing you that information, but I'll go ahead and tell you that I live in Glendale, you know, like that's the type of information I provided him. But at that moment, I was kind of like, why would I get stopped at this time and him give me that reasoning? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. It just, I kind of felt angry, you know? And you know, like another thought that came up to me is like, uh, we were talking about criminalization, right? And in your case, you know, it shows it's a uh, profiling, but why? Because it's criminalizing these people. And that is another form of attack too, if you think about it. Um, it's another form of racism too, because yes, like, you know, like you're criminalizing these people, but the, why are you doing that? The reason why you're doing that is so that these people seem like they're dehumanized, like they're not the same, like they don't have the same rights as other human beings and they don't belong here. Yeah. And that is the reason why things like self pro, uh, what is it? Pro, uh, what is it? Profiling happens and all these different stereotypes because we try to dehumanize people so we don't feel bad for what we do against them. Exactly. In that case, for me, I ended up not even getting a ticket because there was no reason to give me a ticket. So with that said, Cedric, did you have anything to add to this? Um, no, I mean, you guys are hitting all the points that I was thinking about. I mean, even just like what Ed mentioned, I mean, I, the most that I've had to interact with this kind of subject matter is the fact that, yeah, my parents are immigrants. And, you know, I understand like the the hurdles that every immigrant goes through to, to get here not even just that i mean i feel like you know we've all either encountered or might know somebody that is undocumented so it's like something that we yep. can understand daca students like you know as, as someone that's latin american you know like with parents that are from mexico like i've met people from that have daca status that have that were scared during the time when it was like their limbo i have met people that didn't have documentation and i have met people like me were were children of immigrants and the thing is like the stigma that we get for for that from being from another country where i mean at least our families are from is that it's always the same thing they're always looking at the negative parts i like the stereotypes you know obviously so from what i've seen it's like obviously it's not true i mean it's always going to be the same thing of hey like you have to get to know somebody like even i forgot who it was i said earlier i think it might have been in where yeah we have criminals here too like yeah. we, we get it you know but obviously the news the news is spinning it towards the people towards people that are obviously against progressive thinking i mean and that's not even and honestly i don't think that's a biased thought i get it people are going to argue that it's okay why are we letting people into this country why should we let them live here illegally they should go back home okay if you have that energy towards of ethnicities that have the color like brown and black people of latin countries and things like that you should have the same energy towards people that are of european descent but obviously it's not because as we know what exists in this country is white privilege and that's not going to happen yeah. and people want to and people want to deny it because a lot of the times we see at least in the media heavily you know shown is racism towards people of color which is pretty obvious it's not nothing new that we're that, that i'm saying but i mean my, my biggest thing is i've had problems with that because i it's messed up i mean i'm gonna be honest too and i think this is something that's going to i think hit some people that are listening i grew up with mexican parents right but i i, I myself did not grow up traditional like, I don't listen, like, and here's the thing, this, again, this is a stigma stereotype where a lot of people that grow up Mexican-American have. I mean, I'm not really that typical. I don't listen to banda myself. I don't listen to Latin American music a lot, and I have nothing against it. I know some songs, I do, I can sing some, 
you know, but I'm not going to sing it right now because I'm not that good of a singer. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm not yeah. heavily immersed. I know stuff about my culture. Do it. Do it. No, shut up. I'm trying to make a point. <laughs> you know, I'm immersed in my culture in the sense that, yeah, I've visited the country where I'm from. Like, I've been on, on tours to museums. I've studied the history of my culture. I've taken a master's Chicano studies class at San Jose State. So I understand the history of Chicanos. I understand the history of my of my ancestors as well. But the thing is like, it's hard. I mean, I'm gonna be honest again, and, I'm, and this is not me putting anything down. This is me being straightforward. I don't think a lot about the effects of immigration because at the end of the day, and this is something that's gotta be, people gotta be honest with themselves about. If it doesn't directly affect you, you're not going to think about it every day. And I'm not trying to say it negatively. I'm saying that I woke up to it like maybe later in life, you know, because, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I work every day. I bust my butt to get to get my paychecks in. I spend time with my family. I give attention to that. I give attention to my friends. I work a second job. I give attention mm -hmm. to that. Right. Yeah. I don't think I'm guilty of anything. And it's, it's not like I'm rejecting it purposely. It's just, hey, we all have things to do. But right. I do feel like a part of myself was not paying attention to it. And I'll tell you why. And I'm going to put people on. There's a show that I saw recently, and it might be dumb, where it's called Party of Five. Party of Five is a show that everybody's known before, where it involves five family members where their parents pass away. And the previous incarnation of it, it had to do with a bunch of white people. But now the channel Freeform has actually put it on where instead of being about a Caucasian family, it's heavily based on a Mexican-American family where it's an older brother and it's four siblings. The parents get caught up and they actually get sent back to Mexico because they were illegal. So you have this 24-year-old brother that's taking care of two high school uh, siblings. Then you have a sibling in middle school and then you have a baby, like a one-year-old. And the thing is, there was a part in it where he mentions that he didn't... And, he's a, and the thing is, this kid, this guy is not immersed in his in his mexican culture he's he mentions it in, in one of the episodes where he says he, all his girlfriends have been white the music that he listens to is all rock music by white people he's in a rock band right because he wants to be a musician with all white people and, and, the, and the funny part is he's not he, he's not white enough to be american and he's not culturally engulfed in himself to be considered to consider himself mexican even though he's a guy with daca status Mm -hmm. And I felt that to my core because I think a lot of us uh, have been fortunate enough to live in this country that come from that descent. I don't think a lot of us have paid attention to that. And that watching that right there, it shows the pain of the separation of a family. And I don't see. And the thing is, again, I don't see that because my, my parents have their documents. They've been their citizens and, and I get to see them every day. But that there made me think to myself, I don't think that we're doing enough because I think it's easy to talk about this kind of stuff. And the, and I promise myself, if I'm lucky enough that this is over, I'm going to, I promise, and this is a promise I made to myself. I need to, I need to educate myself more about what I can do. Even if it's once a month or twice a month, there's something that I got to be able to do to understand myself more and assist and assist. And I feel like maybe you guys feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I I really yeah, like what you said. I really like what you said, said, and it just made me think right now. You know, because I, you know, in my in my senior year at USF, I took a um, bilingual, uh, a Spanish for bilingual student class where it was more about you know 
raising topics like this. Immigration was actually the biggest topic uh, in that class. And it was, you know, a big topic also is uh, assimilation. You know, um, you know, you were saying that that person was struggling to really know if it was if that person is from here or from there. Right. You, you yeah. don't know, like put yourself in a situation where you're trying to fit in. You're trying to fit in here. And so that's taken away also from your culture. But at the same time, you know, you, you're, you're doing that not by, you know, by intent. You're, you're just trying to fit in. Um, and so like, you know, my, you know, for example, you know, my grandma here, she, you know, she, she came here in this country and she, you know, she brought over all her family and everything. She still speaks Spanish and everything, yeah. you know, but then with my mom, you know, I feel like she, she wanted to assimilate, you know, her maybe more into the, the American way. Right. Um, and so that yeah. way, you know, you get in the middle of like, I, I'm sure for my mom is like, you know, am I from here and from, uh, you know, am I Salvadorian, am I American? Um, you know, and, and it's not so much that you don't, like you said, it's not that you don't care about that culture. It's that like, you know, people, you know, these days, if you speak Spanish and you don't speak English in this country, you're seen as wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you say so you want to you want to adjust yourself here. But it's like, no, like you can't, you, you know, you, you know, some families actually there's there's their kids that don't speak Spanish and people, you know, there's Spanish people that, that get on them and say, why aren't you? You know why? Why don't your kids speak Spanish? And it's like, well, you know, I I want my kids to fit in. I want them to speak English. I want them to have an American job. I want you know all this. And you're turning your back on your own culture. And I, you know, I, I personally think that's that's not right. You know, I think you you should be proud to be from different parts. Um, and it, I mean, like personally, I just don't know how that feels. You know, because like you said, I was born here. Um, you know, and and we've been provided everything here with a job and and your documents and everything and, and education um so i you know it's it just real tough to to understand you know being in that situation where you're like in spanish is like no sé de aquí ni de, ni de acá you know and it's uh, like yeah. that's tough that's that's like just imagine yourself in that situation like you're like in the middle of, of two places you know yeah, no. <laughs> but uh that, that was even, just my yeah. thought it, it's kind, it kind of reminds me of miklo from blood in blood out where you know he didn't really feel like he belong to being Latino and then at the same time there's um, white people trying to accept him to their culture so it was like he was stuck in the middle. Well yeah because you feel like it, it is kind of like a messed up identity because you, you kind of fall into one of the two things like either you feel like you gotta like you know and this goes for anyone it could be, be being Salvadorian Mexican Dominican Puerto Rican right you it's always going to be people that say Oh, you're not Puerto Rican enough, or you're not Mexican enough. So you want to prove yourself. I mean, in my case, I fell on the opposite side too. And this, you know, not even just being from stemming this from immigrant side, I can understand. I can understand personally why maybe some uh, Latin American uh, people might not like get attached to the culture and and notice it as much because when you're immersed in a culture like depending what it is from what latin american country or even what any country when you feel rejected by that culture like and not accepted you're not going to accept it yourself i mean i grew up wanting to go to school and i had cousins that didn't go to school and i had cousins that would try to make me feel bad on purpose because i wanted to go to school like and i'm and it didn't make sense to me it's like my parents are telling me that going to school is the right thing. Getting my education and, and doing the right things matters. And then I have cousins that say, nah, that's bullshit. That's hella dumb. Like, why are you going to be like, you're just a nerd. Like, you know, and not, and it didn't. And I felt like all that stuff that they did, like all the machismo and everything, like it made me not. And I was like, if this is 
you know, honestly, and this, and for me personally, like if this is what being Mexican is, I don't I don't like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And at a young and at a young age, that's what I was hit with. Like, and again, it's like, oh, why do I gotta drink like hella beer to to be Mexican, or to why do I gotta yourself. do, yeah. or why do I gotta do this, or why do I gotta do that? You know, and and it almost made me think to myself, you know what? Like, I don't even want to be Mexican because I grew up with the stigmas of stereotypes of the machismo and all that, and that it made me push away my culture for a little bit. But the thing is, it's a part of my identity, so I, I wanted to learn about it. You know, the way I knew how through school, or through books, or through reading, or through watching stuff. You know, yeah, yep. because I realized that it's not the it's not the stereotypes or like the BS that people like put on you, or like talking like Chicano or wearing flannel shirts or or getting hella tat. Like that's not it. That's not it. What it is at all. And the thing is, I think that negative connotation that pushes you know certain people in a culture to push it away. I think that's where the divide is because coming from a different country is hard enough. And then coming to the United States, your kids are going to have sub subcultures with one race, right? For example, there can be a, like, for example, we all know when people come to the U.S., there's different subcultures of, of Mexicans, right? Mexican-Americans. There's the Cholos. Then from the Cholos, you have uh, like Mexican rockers that are famous for that. And then off, off of that, then you have another subculture of like Mexican greasers, people that dress like greasers that keep that culture of, Chica of Chicanoism alive. Then you have people that are in, like Chicano and, and like rap and hip hop. So you have like different different people that adopt a, a combination of different American uh, elements and form those different subcultures. And that's the thing. We lose a piece of that because when we get together in those groups, we don't think about back home. We don't think about the news. We don't think about like the effects that th that this country and this government is doing against our own people of origin because it doesn't directly affect us. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely get where you're coming from. Uh, you know. Yeah, actually, I have something to add to that. I mean, we were talking about identity, right? And having that identity crisis between either being Latin or... or other side of being American and growing up I actually had that same issue um, especially because I'm I'm barely white skinned and so like a lot of people growing up you know I would I lived in the mission district so in in San Francisco so when I would go to a bakery or any other you know all right keep it locked on untitled and unbothered we'll be right back let's keep it moving place a market and even I get it still now where people don't think I'm Latin just because I don't look Latin, because like they have a different idea of what a Latin person is supposed to look like. And then, yeah, well, aren't, aren't you a man child? Huh? <laughs> yeah, I am a man child and I do look really young. <laughs> I'm kidding, dude. Also, I'm kidding. Yeah, I love you. It's but funny. also, it's uh, for anyone like, that doesn't know, Caesar, Caesar is basically Benjamin Button, but not as good looking. Yeah, <laughs> I don't age. I'm like a vampire. You know, you could have found me on Twilight, but that's a different story. But not, not as good looking as Robert Pattinson. Yeah, I you're think. right. Better looking than. That. Before I forget, <laughs> uh, Johnny, I know, we, uh, I know we went on a bit of a tangent with talking about like cultural stuff and like identity stuff. But going back to like it's your topic of of immigration, I really want to get back to what are some of the other things that the questions that you had for us or that you had on your plate for us? So uh, before I go to that, with Caesar's point, it's funny because a lot of times that, you know, Caesar and I would hang out and then we would go to like, say, like a corner store or something. And then they would hear us, random people would hear us speak Spanish. Like everyone would be surprised because with Caesar, they thought that he was white. With me, a lot of people thought I was Asian. So that's just a funny point. 
Um, but to move on, um, I wanted to talk about the second misconception. And this misconception is one that whenever I have this type of debate about immigration with people, it kind of gets me mad because it makes me feel like they're not valuing what my people, you know, Hispanic people, Latino people, uh, Latinx people, what they do for this country. So the misconception is that immigrants don't contribute to the U.S. I was doing some research, and according to an article on Vox, 8% of undocumented individuals' income goes towards state and local taxes. Immigrants pay millions of dollars, yet don't reap any of the benefits. So immigrants don't get any of the benefits such as Social Security, Medicare, and earned income tax credit. A lot of people when you bring this up, they're like, how are they gonna, how are they gonna do their taxes if they're illegal immigrants, they don't have papers, they don't have social security. There's a way, you know, they can get what's called an individual taxpayer identification. So with that, they can file their taxes, you know? Yeah. And a lot of times those are the people that provide a huge source of money to our government, to our local and uh, state. So what did you guys have to say about that? I mean, I guess I'll start it again, just saying like, I am not an expert in this field. However, none of us are. (laughs) Exactly. But like, let's not kid ourselves a lot of the people who come from other countries are willing to work like they want to work and do any job that's available and so a lot of the jobs that aren't glamorous in this country guess who are doing them right yeah. The fact that like someone like anyone could think that like people who are illegal or whatever immigrants don't contribute to this country like that's just that's just false like there's so many instances that you could like pinpoint and say like wow there's like people doing important jobs that like I might not like think are important but are very important you know so I don't know like I just feel like this country especially like even like the the current administration like the guy who's the president he has a hotel industry mm-hmm. that is mostly run by who by immigrants exactly yeah oh man i didn't know that <laughs> yeah immigrants and, latinos exactly yeah. and just just people who are not from this country like people who are disadvantaged from other countries and just want to make an opportunity for their families and the fact that like he's trying to highlight this demographic as someone who's bad for this country that doesn't make any sense yeah it's especially just, if he's the one that's using it like he's outsourcing right you know right he's he's pretty much using it to benefit his business plan like for me it's like if you're gonna say like these this demographic does not benefit this country like that's just a lie it's, yeah. it's a lie first of all it's just sad that we have to say that like it doesn't matter like like the way i think of it is like we all share this earth so we all contribute to wherever we live but beside that point that's another topic i just feel like if people have intentions of just doing good like who cares where they're from you know like yeah. it doesn't matter to me like okay like you came from wherever but you want to contribute to society and to humanity why is that a bad thing exactly. that's how i think that's how i think of it at least uh, maybe it's like naive or very premature but i'm going to the medical field and so i have a lot of empathy for people and i just feel like we need to be more together than apart and especially in these these times right now it really showcases how apart our leaders are in our country pertaining to this topic without people that are hungry and desiring to work this country would not work when we quote unquote call people immigrants and illegal immigrants whatever like i just feel like they're keeping us together (laughs) in a lot of ways 
you know yeah. and i have family who has come here from other countries so that's that's what i have to say on that yeah and those are all good points i feel like alejandro wants to say a lot about this topic so let's go ahead and go to alejandro <laughs> No, just to add, as he was talking, you know, I see the stat from uh, America's Voice, um, you know, and it's saying that there are, uh, you know, about 44.4 million immigrants in the U.S., uh, which makes like 13.6% of the total population, and they pay 405 billion in taxes. Um, And then as far as undocumented immigrants, they pay about 27 billion in taxes. So I'm just thinking like, you know, the effect of, you know, of, of... not even having these immigrants here would be such a big effect on just you know the the support of local schools or like social security and you know stuff like that maybe medicaid i mean i think there's a lot of programs that i think would not even be possible without these immigrants you know paying their taxes and not even getting the benefits of it um that's extremely sad to think about Uh uh-huh go ahead and the sad thing too is like they accept that they're not getting any benefits from it you know it's not like they're going out there every day protesting making it a big deal like they're just doing what they can because well one reason like they might not go out there and protest because they don't want to be sent back to where they came from they just want to stay here continue to work continue to contribute for their family provide for their family it's not like other situations where people would just go out and start protesting and might get (laughs) something out of it like you don't see yeah I mean, and they're already facing a lot of uh, difficulties here in the, you know, in the United States, you know, a language barrier, uh, the fear of not understanding. I mean, for example, in my in my current uh, employer, I'm I'm actually helping and volunteering, calling a lot of our uh, caregivers that are unfortunately, you know, you know, from different countries that speak Spanish. And I'm talking to them in Spanish in their native tongue. And like the, the feedback I get of how much they appreciate, you know, us reaching out in Spanish just because, you know, sometimes they're scared or they don't understand things completely. Um, yeah. Just so like in, in that aspect of like already having difficulties with languages, then they have to come here, get a job that, like my brother said, no one wants to do, but they'll do it. And then they already have to figure out economically how they're going to do it, you know. And, you know, I think we should give praise to people who do that versus, you know, calling them criminals or um, using the word illegal. Um, we should use the word undocumented, you know, and, and, and also how we can help these people become you know, documented, I feel is not really emphasized these days because they should re- they should have the benefits of if they work here, contribute to society, you know, have a family and, and aren't a negative effect to, to our society. I think we should be helping a lot more in that aspect. And, you know, maybe there's people that do and I'm sure they are. You know, one, one thing I wanted to do as a career a couple of years ago is I wanted to work for the agency that helps people become citizens, the naturalization process. You know, just seeing people come to this country and, and want to become citizens and want to, you know, be be a part of our society as a whole. And I, I think, you know, maybe not everyone has that opportunity, but I think just by looking at these numbers, it's kind of frightening that we're depending so much on these people, right? Yet we don't want to give them the opportunities that we have. And so just kind of wanted to add that as my, my initial thought about you know, the immigrants and the misconception of them coming here. Adding to that, they're, they're working, paying taxes, and not even getting the full benefits. Yep. Thank you for that, Alejandro. Uh, how about you, Steve? I mean, I think I think y'all have hit on, like, all the points. The only one I would want to add is um, when you're thinking about being anti-undocumented or anti-immigrant, think about who's picking the food that's on your table. Like, the reason that we're able to have vegetables and 
we're able to have food on our tables all right because people who are undocumented majority of the time are picking those fruits are out there in pesticides fields making sure that we're still fed even during the coronavirus time they were literally essential workers who had to be out there picking fruit picking vegetables picking food in general um so it can be on our tables and we could have it while meanwhile we you know some of us were lucky to be able to work from home i know a lot of people got furloughed but they were out there you know being exposed and they're still exposed and these are people that you know sometimes are used once they're used you know immigration is called on them they face a lot of hardships traumas and when you think about being anti-american think about that like think about the where the food that's on your table comes from good point yeah think before you speak how about you cedric one of the things that i think we're overlooking too in terms of what you know illegal immigrants contribute is not only is it have to do with like Obviously, there's are a lot of immigrants that pay taxes. Uh, the point that that was just brought up about how they account for agricultural needs as well, but it's not even just that. It's also the youth. Like there's a youth and domestic services. There's so many uh, immigrants uh, that clean houses that and also serve as nanny as well. Like they serve a lot of that purpose. So a lot of children are cared for by these kinds of people because they come by references, and a lot of people don't have to pay like companies and all these fees. And they would rather just have one person on payroll to either take care of their home and take care of their children. Uh, and I think that's that's a big need. I mean, it, it does fill a lot. I mean, there's so many working professionals that even though they're making a lot of decent money, they don't want to pay all these extra fees when one person can give more care, you know, by creating a report or you have somebody that you trust to come into your home every day and, and clean it and make, and make it a home, you know? Yeah, for a lower price too. Exactly. Yeah. So not only is it beneficial, uh, to a lot of people, you're providing people in the United States are providing livelihood and as well as you getting a service for cheaper versus giving it to a corporation that has to have all these fees. They're assisting families and these families are contributing by giving you the services that you require. Because I yeah. mean, if you a lot of yeah, because if you go around, a lot of people can say they grew up with nannies. Or, or, or a nanny that was from a different country, especially maybe a lot of people in Los Angeles or, or Miami or, or like in Texas. I mean, the states where like the border's closer than people like in New York who have uh, nannies from countries that are closer to closer there, you know? Yeah. And I feel like it's very underrated because not only should agricultural and, and money be an issue, it should also be something about child care and development where a lot of these people do benefit and assist. Exactly, yeah. So uh, moving on, I wanted to talk about the third misconception, which is when people say all immigrants, what they have to do is just apply, do it the easy way, and just wait their turn. So with that, I did some research, and according to an article from Cato Institute, from 1991 to 2018, the average immigrant in the preference categories waited four years and 10 months for a green card. The average wait for all preference immigrants grew from about two years and 10 months in 1991 to about five years and eight months in 2018, a 97% increase, which is crazy. This is only if you're lucky, because I know people that have been, have applied 20 years ago and they still haven't got it, you know, and they've done everything correctly. They've paid their dues. They're still waiting. So with that said, I know this is something that can affect a lot of people, um, even the youth, uh, people who are trying to go to school. So with that said, I did want Caesar to start off. Okay. Um, yeah, like what you said was true. Um, a lot of people, just because you applied to become a citizen does not mean that you're gonna automatically get it nor does it also mean that you're gonna get it soon sometimes it takes a long time for it to go through 
and there's a lot of obstacles that people have to go through in order to, to actually do it. There's a lot of fees that people have to do in order to complete the process, you know, and it's, yeah, there has to be a process, but I think there has to be a better process than the one that is is currently in place because i understand like where people are coming from they do have to pay a lot in order to do this and sometimes it takes forever and sometimes they may not even get it yeah not only that a lot of the people that are coming from other countries you know they're escaping something if they wait a month or two months that might be too late for them that might be life or death for them because a lot of them they just want to come over here get some cash flow help their families out, bring their families with them. Did you have anything to say, Caesar, about like in regards to education, like DACA? Oh yeah. yeah. So as someone who, who has worked in this field of education for a while, that's actually something that's very vital. Like, yeah, DACA isn't like the best nor the most perfect thing, but it allows students to be able to, to be students right to be able to enjoy a little bit but they're, they're still like DACA is like a little bit different too like there's still a lot of things that they're not able to do um and a lot of things but when the in the within the education system i can see where a lot of people and especially the education system itself would want to take advantage of people who are undocumented and before these groups came out i can see that because i know for a fact if students who are undocumented um and they are considered undocumented sorry and they want to go to a university they actually pay out-of-state tuition instead of in-state tuition unless they do the the affidavit form exactly. and it's a different form that people have to do um, and they have to know how to fill it out. Like every document that you do on campus, you have to know how to fill out because there's a lot of security measures that take place into it. And so it's very sensitive information. I know a lot of cases where students are being charged, I mean, 23,000 to go to a state school that costs 4,000 per semester. That's crazy. Um, and it was because they were considered out of state. And yes, you know, like they, the people who are undocumented do not receive funding, federal funding to, to go to school. And so it's like, where do you pay? Yeah, there's um, now DACA. I believe there's a there's a scholarship or something that does provide for them now. Oh, the Dream Act. Sorry, there you go. The Dream Act is a, a application that helps them get financial aid. But if you look at all the barriers they have to overcome, these are people who who sometimes are still learning the language, they are still going to school. It's ridiculous, but I can see where people are taking advantage of DACA itself. I mean, you're paying the government money to reapply every year, and it's a yeah. lot of money to reapply. Um, and I know this year, since the Trump, well, a couple years ago, since the Trump administration, or recently, I think, with the Trump administration, there's something where he was trying to take DACA away, and so they actually fought for it. And I think. They're still, they're, they're still finding about it, but I know the prices for DACA itself went up. And students are scared that once DACA ends, like what's gonna happen to them? They don't know anything. They, they know that they've been here in the US for a long time. They don't know their original home country. They came here as little kids. And what happens if DACA ends? Like, you know, where's the protection for them? Like, what will happen to them? Exactly. And these are like, you know, we talk a lot about economics, basically like, you know, people, uh, what services do they bring? But we forget to mention that the education and the new technology that comes with, what is it with these, with this population? Like they don't just bring, you know, physical labor skills. They also bring bright minds with them. And that's one thing that we should look forward to, you know, and like this immigration issue is bigger than just like, you know, what we're talking about here. It's it's a it's a whole large manner, you know, that has to do with more things that one day hopefully we get into. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, how about you, Cedric? As everybody knows, anybody that comes from an immigrant family or has seen someone do that process, it's not simple. To be honest, I mean, this country thrives on that because that's just an extra cost that, and money that they're extorting out of immigrants because a lot of the times 
you know, the immigrants that are trying to get their citizenship are at the whims of deadlines. And the thing is that with this country trying to change so much all the time, for an example, there could be an immigrant that says, okay, you need to turn these forms in and the deadline is this day. Then they don't get told what the deadline is or things get lost in translation. Then as the deadline approaches, there's an update in the forms. And now it's like, oh, you have to actually add another form uh, for this deadline. And because you don't have it, we're going to have to extend the period of your waiting or, or to get your citizenship. So it's always things shifting and changing. On top of that, it's also just not having the right communication and the right information. Because these people that want to come in here to this country or immigrants in general, like they're going to do all the right things. But at the same time, is if they don't have the information at their disposal, how are they going to come here? At the same time, this country also exploits their lack of knowledge, whether they have to go look at online to look if there's a form because there's no announcements for it. You know what I mean? In that yeah. kind of sense. And or then at the not, same time, yeah, but Or they might not be able to actually go online. They don't know how to use a computer to actually find those forms and print it out, you know? Exactly, because there's a lot of immigrants that do come from underserved countries or underserved communities with the lack of those resources and education as well as also not receiving the proper assistance from the United States because they're not going to rush to bring in more people in here. That's why they assign the people that they do to these cases. And a lot of times there's case managers that don't have the capacity to handle all these things. And then sometimes when people are allowed here on visa and they want to argue for their for their citizenship, or even if sometimes there's there's cases, there's cases like this where there's immigrants that are citizens and they get sent back because they have lawyers that that don't uh, properly communicate with them. There's a big issue in this country yeah. where immigrants are set up purposely to go on a uh, on a certain date, and a lot of the times their lawyers aren't even in the actual courtroom. They're in the courtroom via like video, which doesn't really give the proper stance for an immigrant to defend themselves or even a lawyer to do their job properly. Mm -hmm. Because even because the the country, this country or this government on certain court cases or certain courts will like purposely sabotage a person's uh, opportunity. And I think that's something that's not talked about a lot because there's a show uh, called Adam Ruins Everything. And from what I understand, I mean, obviously we can't believe everyone on TV, but the, the subject matter that he that he brings up in a certain episode that has to do with immigration, it's perfectly fillable uh, in terms of like wanting to understand more about this knowledge. And I did my personal research where I did not know how many people get deported unjustly because of these setups basically where they don't lack of resources or purposeful like sabotage of like of communication and i think it's really sad that people don't follow up or want to help immigrants get into this country especially when they are trying to get in here you know the correct way you know by paper you know and by doing all these processes because it's really sad because at the same time it's like there's strategies that are counteracting people of these origins to not come into this country on purpose yeah good point how about you alejandro you know it's like you you're saying should they wait in line and and in my head kind of we have to agree with everyone it's like what line is there um you know a lot of immigrants can be in this country for so many years and not qualify for the you know the restrictions or the the process to become a citizen so like you know someone could be in here and not have the the right connections to to get a job or they come here to to want to join their family but they don't have the qualifications to do that or or maybe they, like you guys were saying earlier they're asylum seekers right but they don't fit what what the government wants you know what the, defines them as um, as refuge right so not being an expert in this topic as a, a personal opinion i i think like i mentioned earlier i think 
the U.S. government might not be providing the best practices on giving the opportunity to any uh, immigrant to come into this country, regardless what your situation is, you know, just trying to be a help. Uh, and I know there's a lot of people that go around and, and try to help these people, right, and give them the right connections, but it must be really tough for an immigrant alone just to get into this country. But then once they're in here, they have no connections. They have no relationships. They, they don't know anything. They get put in the wrong category. They think that just by, you know, making it here, they have an opportunity and that, you know, the government's always kind of like that slap where it's like, nope, like you got to go back. Should they wait in line? It's like, or should they doing their, their, their research and stuff like that? It's like, yes. Uh, but it's, sometimes it's like, you can't get in a line that's not even that doesn't even exist right so it's just finding finding that balance of you know helping those who need that help yeah and also there's a there's a lot of people waiting in that imaginary line too you know so and and like and like you guys were saying earlier like and i think caesar was saying earlier like if you're if you're from some countries that have a negative stereotype you're already at a disadvantage there too because if there's like you said it's kind of like a lottery based system you yeah. you're hoping to get in but it's it's given to people who are stereotypically you know seen as a dominant force of immigrants right yeah and so um you might you might already you know be in here you have the connections you know the people you you're you're on track right and then but then they give it to someone else just by the you know color of their skin or just by their or origin right and on top, top of that mm -hmm. yeah and on top of that there's quotas too you know there's a limit on how many they can give out too so that doesn't mm -hmm. help right yeah so uh with that said what about you my brother ed one thing i want to say that might be a little controversial uh maybe like questionable is like i've always thought about like just life in general like like if you think about the beginning of life like there was no concept of people who are not part of this and people who are part of it the land itself was all together we were all part of one land for me at least like growing up like i've been pretty accepting like i've always i never think of people like oh you're from a different land or you're from a different like i just always think of people as like we're all humans you know we're all from the same species yeah. We all have the same DNA, kind of. Other animals, like if you're a, a, a feline, you're a feline. If freaking, I don't know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're humans. And so, of course, like, there's always rules and regulations. And so, um, there must have been a point in our timeline where someone made a distinction, like, oh, you're from that area, so you're different. In terms of, like, immigrants having to wait in line, like, I think of it as, as differently. Like, if you have something to give to this world, and you have something like to offer it doesn't matter like where you're from i don't know like especially in this society right now like there's so many things that we take for granted now during these kind of social distancing times um we're actually getting to know like exactly what is important if you're from another country but you're trying to contribute some to society like why not add it to society how is that gonna hurt that's the way i would think about it in terms of current society but it, it's, it's it's always a hard balance you know because like people are always gonna judge and have stereotypes the media social media like there's things that are always gonna influence people i wouldn't say like oh it's about like uh, waiting in line it's more about like just showcasing what you have to offer hopefully the right people like appreciate it you know like exactly. you just have to offer what you have like don't be scared because someone will appreciate what you have to offer that's the biggest message i would have is like just show off what you have like show off what you've been giving with and i'm sure someone in society will appreciate your gifts yeah keep striving 
Strive for your goal. Exactly. All right. Thanks, Ed. Uh, did anyone have any closing remarks? No, I feel like we hit all the points pretty well. You know what I mean? Yeah, this was a great topic. Um, I want to thank everyone that joined us. We do want to know your opinions, your thoughts. So go ahead and go to our social media and comment. Thank you. All right, there you have it. Untitled and unbothered. Hope you guys have enjoyed the episode today. And continue to support us every Friday. Follow us on Instagram at untitled underscore unbothered. And have a great weekend. Let's keep it moving.